My name is Mark Warner, and we're going to start on the Central Division preview for the 2015-16 season. This is the division that produced last year's Stanley Cup champion out of the third slot. A lot of people may not remember, the St. Louis Blues are actually Central Division champions, followed by the Nashville Predators. Chicago, uh, All, in my opinion, this is probably the best division in hockey as we head into the season. Let me welcome in Tom. Tom, how you doing? What do you think about that? Best division in hockey? Yeah, for sure. I think we did, yeah, last week we did the worst, <laughs> and then uh, now we're doing the best, potentially. Yeah, I agree. Concur, sir. Chris, welcome to the show again. It's always good to have you on board. What do you think? Uh, best division in hockey? Central division? Make a pretty strong argument with that. I mean, it had five playoff teams out of seven last year, out of the seven teams in the division. And Colorado finished in the last place in, in the division with 90 points. So, Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and break this down. We're going to start at the top and work our way down. Uh, last year's champion, 109 points, St. Louis Blues. Now, they, they lost uh, one, of their, one of their icons, if you will, T.J. Oshie, gone to the Washington Capitals. How does that impact things, Chris? Yeah, I mean, they they traded Oshie to the Capitals for Troy Brower, so two different kinds of players. Uh, Oshie, more of a skilled player, uh, one would think, and Brower, uh, more of a guy who can score goals and uh, a little bit of uh, more size, a little more physical presence. But ironically, he outscored Oshie last year. Uh, When you think of Oshie, you think of... Uh, someone who's a lot, a lot more capable of putting the puck in the net than Brower, but in terms of just comparing last year. And Brower had, uh, was very, uh, it was a good player for the Caps in the playoffs. So, other than that, it's the same team, uh, basically. And, uh, you know, when you look at the numbers from last year, uh, Mark, you just alluded to it, the, the, the uh, defending, at least for the regular season, the division champs, they had 109 points. They were, First, uh, excuse me, they were fifth in the league in, uh, in uh, goals per game. Uh, they were fourth in the league in terms of giving the uh, lowest amount of goals given up per game. They had the fourth best power play. They had the eighth best penalty kill. And they were 25-7-7 in one goal games. So you add all that up, and, uh, you know, they got depth uh, across the board. Uh, and you say... Okay, <laughs> now it's really for them all about performing in the uh, postseason. Um, something Which, I under under they Ken Hitchcock, to do. They, they under Ken Hitchcock they have not been able to do yet. Um, I thought they he was brought in to get him over that proverbial hump. If you if you watch him play, you would think. I mean, everything you just said is 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 true. Um, you think that they would have a style of game that translates into a playoff success, and they haven't been able to do that yet. Tom, uh, what do you see in the St. Louis Blues? Why haven't they been able to make a deep playoff run here under Coach Hitchcock? Yeah, just like Chris said, too, you know, I think uh, there's definitely concern there. I thought he traded out the LC, OC, so 
team, whatever. And uh, I think it all comes down to, uh, you know, on paper, the D looks great. The forwards are there. I mean, I think the big question mark is goaltending, but, um, you know, it seems like every playoff, they don't get the money, the money stays there, and that uh, kind of lets them down in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, Tom, I-, I was thinking the same thing, not that I think they have bad goaltending, um, but you-, you don't think that they have, I mean, both uh, Allen and Elliott are both really, really good goalies. Obviously, the team in front of them is pretty darn good themselves. Yeah. You don't, th- you don't, you say to yourself, well, these guys or one of these two guys good enough to get the, the Blues to the promised land, and you think, and then you think, well, you know, Granted, they lost to good teams. I mean, last year they lost to Minnesota. Uh, I believe the year before, they might have lost to Chicago. If memory serves correct, I could be wrong on that. But bottom line is, you know, they, they haven't lost to cupcakes in, in these playoffs. But having said that, they need to break through. But even just looking at last year, you know, uh, when they lost to the Blues, excuse me, the Wild in six games, they had an offensive outburst in uh, game four, reading up on the Blues. Uh, and other than that game, in the other five games, St. Louis will average 1.6 goals per game. You're going to have to have some, uh, some uh, you're going to have to have Ken Dryden in that and a bunch of Larry Robinsons on defense if you're only going to be scoring 1.6 goals per game in the playoffs in, in order to win games. So this is, uh, this is a little bit of a mental hurdle, I think, for this team. And I this is, uh, you know, I'll get it. Uh, I'll get into this as we go along because most of the teams in this division uh, do have upcoming in the next year slash two, you know, a lot of salary cap contract situations. And, you know, if the Blues, again, do not make a, at least a run, at least get to the Western Conference Finals, uh, you might see them, you know, be forced to make some make some changes. And, and, and a fact like, you know, David Backus is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, as is Brower. You know, uh, uh, Jaden Schwartz is an RFA, so he's going to get a huge bump in pay. It's just those three guys alone, and they're kind of near the cap level as it is after Aaron Karen Sankler this offseason. So, uh, and obviously if they do not make a deep run, one would think that Ken Hitchcock, uh, would be as great of a coach as he is, will probably be gone as they flirted with Mike, Mike, Mike Babcock over the summer. So, you know, uh, no doubt they're going to have a big regular season. I think we all feel safe and secure in that statement. Who says something about that division they're in? But it's really going to come down to the postseason for this team. I agree. And I don't, I don't think, I mean, they might have to make it to the conference finals or even the finals or... I mean, there was, like you said, last, last offseason, Hitchcock was definitely on the bubble uh, with being replaced. And I think this is it. I think if, if this team has another early exit, I don't, know how long, I don't know how long they go on with the current group or the coaching staff. Um, I'm not certainly here to call for anybody's job, but it just, it just doesn't, doesn't seem like they can get it together. And I think it is a mental hurdle they're going to have to uh, go through with uh, – Coming, taking taking that point and going on into the the runner up in the division, Nashville, um, they also seem to have a game and franchise tailored to the postseason and have not been able to um, translate that into postseason success. And last year, last year again, uh, first round exit 
uh, they, they contested the series. They weren't blown out by any stretch of the imagination. But oh man, uh, yeah, heartbreaking uh, losses. Couple overtime, couple overtime goals going towards the veteran Chicago Blackhawks instead of double overtime. Wasn't there a no, triple I, overtime? I'm just making that up. No, I, 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 I believe it was. was a triple overtime. I think it was game one, actually. Oh, can't, yeah. Can't when when they were up, weren't they up three? Weren't they up three nothing in a blink of an eye in that game, like the first ten minutes? Then, <laughs> yeah, I, think, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Then, man. And then chip away, chip away, chip away. All of a sudden, you're in overtime. I want to I want to say similar team with maybe a little more grit and physicality to the uh, Montreal Canadiens in that they're a goaltender driven team. Um, they had their Vezina Trophy finalist in Rene. Um, looking at his numbers right here, nine point two three and a two point one eight against uh, four shutouts in the regular season. Their their offense maybe similar to the Montreal Canadiens, and at times they seems. Seems like they're going to struggle to score goals. What do you What do you think of that, Tom? Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you got, if you're, you know, banging on Cody Hodson to crop uh, you up on the goal scoring, and, and they hit a home run with Barrow, you know, they took a flyer on him that paid off, and I think they're trying to do the same with this. Um, I, I I I don't know. I don't. Know. It's risky to say the least. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think that, you know, um, they were a little bit more efficient offensively than Montreal, um, a little deeper. They had four guys who uh, lit the lamp at least 20 times, and then they had three, uh, four other players between 15 and 19 goals, so it was a little more balanced. Uh, 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 Forsberg had a, had a great rookie year, so I, I'm sure they're hoping he uh, is going to develop into a strong kind of player. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously this team's strength is, you know, Pecorino and goal, and their top two lines of uh, defense, led by Shea Weber. Uh, you got Josie, you got Ryan Ellis, and, you know, Seth Jones is just getting better. And then they fortify their defense by bringing uh, Barrett Jackman. Love that. Love so, that. Uh, you know, but what really hurt this team in terms of their regular season last year, although, you know, again, they had 104 points at a great regular season, and they were a non-playoff team the year before, so it was a, you know, all in all, most tough series, but did lose to the Stanley Cup champions in, um, in a very tough series, but, you know, 25th on the power play last year, 18th on the penalty, penalty kill, which is loose, surprising. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, they were in the top, they were ninth in terms of goals allowed per, uh, per game, but they struggled on the penalty kill, and you would think with the people they have on defense and Rene, um, but, you know, so maybe they can improve on that. Uh, this is a really good team. You know, the question is going to be, are they good enough to beat the big boys come the playoff time? Are they good enough if they match up against the Blues, the Hawks, the Ducks, I'll say the Kings, so they don't get Mark upset? Are they going to be uh, good enough uh, uh, to win series against teams like that. That's really, I think that's that's the question. Absolutely. The playoff series, you know, as we, as we mentioned, you know, the overtimes, and I don't know, I just don't see one addition they made the prop to get them over that edge, over that playoff hump they had last year. You know what I mean? I don't see that one guy they, they got. 
That, that's what kind so of bothers, guy, bothers me with this team. One guy I would keep an eye out for in terms of making the team is a former first-round pick in the 2014 draft, 11th overall, Ken Paella, who could uh, you know make this team and make an impact and even give them uh, he's got a two-way game and uh, you know he'd help this team take the next step as well. Obviously, he's a kid, um, so let's keep that in mind. But having said that. You know, these teams, all these, you know, when you get down to it, the difference in the teams in the league, other than uh, a few bottom rung teams, it's very, very close. I mean, Nashville, as an example, could have easily won uh, that series against the Hawks last year. They came up a little bit short, so every little bit helps. You know, every little bit of improvement, if it's a team trying to get better on the penalty kill or the power play or a young player stepping forward or... Uh, or, you know, those kind of situations. So, that's, that's, that's like I said, the parity in this league is at an all-time high. This division, yeah. this division really highlights that point, too. Um, they're all, they're all within 10 points of each other going to the playoffs. I mean, now, now we're, I mean, we're getting to the third place team in the division, and they're the Stanley Cup champion, Chicago Blackhawks. They went through a little bit of a turnover in their roster. Um, uh, salary cap when you have when you have two players that make twenty percent of your salary cap or even more I think they make ten and a half million each I believe Kane and Taves some of the other guys aren't going to be yeah some of the other guys aren't going to be making six five six million dollars if twenty one million dollars out of seventy is tied up on two players so away win Brandon Saad to Columbus away win Patrick Sharp to Dallas. Uh, they brought in our oh, playoff hero. Johnny Oduya? John, yeah, Johnny Oduya, which really came in. They had the injury in the, uh, to the defenseman coming into the playoffs, and Oduya really stepped his game up um, and did have a great playoff run, I thought. Um, and Brad Richards. And Brad Richards gone to Detroit, which I thought was a great signing by Detroit, by the way. Um, he's resurrected his game, and he'll do well in Detroit, I think. And they also, they had brought in the kid from Phoenix and was kind of in the doghouse with Coach Q, but had a couple game-winning goals there in the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm not, I'm not remembering his name right now. Vermette, wasn't it? Antoine Vermette. Thank you, sir. Um, I had a little blank there. But, yeah, he went back to Phoenix. So even, a, yeah. even, their, even their trade deadline acquisition are gone. And didn't, uh, didn't really strengthen. We were talking off the air a little bit before the Russian kid is, is going to come in. And he's projected to skate on second or third line. So I'm not sure. Team cohesion, I think, might be a question mark. Chemistry going in. A lot of young, new faces trying to make the team out of training camp, which maybe they're not used to in Chicago on their, their recent glory runs. Um, I don't know. Am I... Am I missing something here, Tom? Or are they, are, are, I'm, I'm kind of looking at Chicago to maybe take a step back when you lose those kinds of players. Yeah, oh, no, I think um, in, my, in my head, I was thinking the last couple of years, you know, they lose, they lose players, high turnover, chemistry, all those things you mentioned, but then they just keep winning year after year after year. So definitely um, – the question to be asked, and uh, I don't know. Every year we say this, but it never seems to work that way. They, they're uh, holding the 
holding the cup at the end. So, so kicking off, kicking off a body on 38 goals this year, and uh, <laughs> you know, and they win it again, right? What, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the formula is going to be, uh, you know, they have their core players. Uh, I'll put Patrick Keane to the side for now. I guess we'll have to talk about that briefly. Um, you know, Tools, Marion Hossos, Seabrook, Duncan Keith, um, Corey Crawford, and then, you know, and then uh, veterans like um, Brian Pickle. Uh, I thought uh, uh, Anisimov was a terrific ad. He'll, uh, he'll be a great player for them. And then the young guys that they have, which is a whole slew of them, especially at the forward position. As mentioned, uh, Panarina, uh, uh, I think Taravina, who's been one of the, if I'm pronouncing his name right, he's been one of the, uh, t- been one of the top prospects in hockey at a, you know, good, good for, good first year. Um, guys like Andrew Shaw, so, you know, Marco Dano, I mean, go on and on. He was nice, talented, uh, young forward. So, they don't need them to carry the mail. Um, they need them to contribute. And the guys that they're counting on to count, uh, carry the mail, they need them to stay healthy. So if, if that happens, if, if they're uh, core players who are most of I think they're all three-time Stanley Cup champions, uh, the ones I just mentioned, they stay healthy. Uh, and then they're, the, the youngsters that they have, I think, uh, give secondary contributions. You're going to have a, you're going to have another top team here. I mean, obviously, you know, the white elephant in the room, if you will, is the Patrick Kane situation, which, uh, you know, continues to be uh, a story that uh, we, we don't know a lot about. Um, there was a report late last week after we did our last podcast. There was going to be a uh, grand jury was all set up uh, for, Tuesday, uh, for Tuesday of this week, and it got postponed, and then there was, I won't even get into the different stories I read, then I read a couple things of this is why I got postponed, and then that wasn't true at all. So the bottom line, you know, and Gary Batman finally yesterday came out and talked about this to the media and basically just said we are monitoring this and at the appropriate time when we need to come forward and say something, we will. Uh, that hasn't ha- had uh, happened yet because we've been in the off season. Uh, and there's another report, I want to say, sort of on Twitter through ESPN. Uh, I want to say, I know I saw it from one of the big sites that the league and the Black Holes are going to get together with Patrick Kane next week. So how that all plays out, his situation is going to obviously have a big impact on the Hawks. Is, is he going to wind up being at this case while it continues to be investigated? Will the league... Uh, let him play, um, or, you know, will they put him on a suspension with pay? I have no idea. You know, how, you know this, this investigation, you know, these kind of investigations do take a long time. And, uh, as Carrie Pepin said, this is an extremely serious charge, and they're monitoring it closely. So, you know, uh, uh, he's one of the best players in the league. So it's hard to, it's hard to figure, you know, whether or not Patrick Kane He's going to be in the lineup for this season, or if he's going to miss a significant piece of it, or if he's going to miss a piece of it, or maybe he won't miss any of it at all. No, no one knows those answers to that question, which if you're trying to analyze the Blackhawks for the season, 
makes it kind of difficult. Yeah, well, his if if he is physically charged with anything that he's rumored to be uh, investigated for, then he's definitely not going to be playing. And then you have to move him a step farther back. Um, then you got to think about some some of the young kids like Jeremy Morin and Corey Trop that they picked up in the Bronson Sod deal. Um, Corey Trop, ex Buffalo Saber, there, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hey, oh, they they still signed the Marcus Cooper, by the way. Yeah, he's an RFA, yeah. and according to the various cap sites, I like to use cap friendly, and. Uh, they have the Black Hawk slightly over the cap without signing him yet. So to get Kruger in, uh, they're gonna. They, there's been a lot of talk over the summer that they might have to move a Bickle, uh, which would even mean turning on the youngsters even more. Not that Bickle's a star, but he's you know a reliable, you know, veteran player. Yeah. Uh, that, a lot of questions still with Chicago. Hard to put him. Hard to put him anywhere right now with everything they have going. Um, they still have, let's just say they still have questions to answer there in Chicago. But uh, even even if Patrick Kane doesn't play, I don't see him. I don't see him missing the playoffs. They could come in as a wild card for sure. But uh, with the rest of that division, if they're not, you know, if they're not as good as they can be, they, it's not hard to see Minnesota. Coming past him, they did lock Dubnik up. Um, finally, that that lasted a little while, um, and they have most of their most of their core players back. They made, you know, what may be one of the if if you had had the Ottawa Senators and the Minnesota Wild in different years going down the stretch, each one would be the greatest the greatest run of all time. And I think, <laughs> but uh, going on at the same time, uh, I think I think Ottawa closed twenty one two and three. And Minnesota, I'm looking at it, 27-9 and two down the stretch. So, I mean, their their whole roster's back. They did re-sign Dubnik. Um, another another solid gritty team that I uh, that could could have had could have had Chicago last year, and I, I would look for them to make a, a jump in the standings if Dubnik can. Obviously, he's not going twenty-seven and nine, but if he can, if he can approach that level of consistency, it, I think they'll have a chance to win every night with the players that they have. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Tom. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I think the, yeah, I think the pressure is definitely on uh, Dubnik. I, I don't, uh, I don't want to be that guy with a huge payday because uh, I, don't, I just, I don't know. I have a weird feeling it's not going to work out for this guy. I think he got paid and. Um, I don't know if it's going to look good, but yeah, he's good. Uh, I think the defenseman is definitely the uh, the team here. I, I just don't. I, I Chris probably has more stats on this, or Mark, you do. The, the, they're the worst power play in the Western Conference, and I don't know where they rank in the NHL, but in the West, are the they worst. were. Yeah, it, it is definitely with their Achilles heel last year. I uh, I, I, I they don't were twenty seventh ranked power play. Twenty seventh in the league, worse than the Western Conference. I just don't get that at all. I know they're a defensive unit, but my my word. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I don't know what to say about this team. <laughs> no, I, I hear yeah. you. The, the consistency level is uh, 
lights out down the stretch. How do you go twenty seven nine and two with the worst power play in the in the Western Conference too? By the way, that's uh, well, it, it, it helps to combat that if you have the best penalty kill in the league, which they did. Yeah, so that kind of that kind of softened the blow, if you will, on how bad they were on the power play last year. That basically, you know, they weren't letting the other team score on the power play. So basically, you know, they they played even in that regard, if you will. And then play well on five on five hockey. Which, which, yeah. I mean, they have they have the uh, the horses to do that. I mean, I look for them to. I actually to take a step. I'd like to see another score on this team. Um, obviously, Dubnik uh, had a terrific year, to say the least. I mean, really terrific. What two thirds of the year came came over. Right around New Year's Day, I believe, if the memory serves correct. Uh, I got, like Tom said, had a big, uh, had a big payday. So, look, no one's asking him to win the Vesna this year, but just to have a year where it solidifies that he's a strong number one goalie. You know, he should, you know, he comes out as, after that group of franchise goalies in the league, the few of those, the four, five, six of those guys, like, you know, that he's in the conversation with the next group. I mean, that's 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 what you're looking for out of him. You know, I like the defense, the top two lines on defense. Uh, big Matthew Bumbo fan, uh, but you know, I think I think Zach Parisi needs a little bit of help. And um, you know, Neil Niederreiter uh, scored 24 goals last year. You know, Jason Palmerville was down a little bit. Bannock was okay, but considering the pain of seven million a year, I think he. We're hoping for a lot more. I think they need another scorer on that team. And obviously, as we talked just talked about before, we behoove them to at least you know move that needle of the power play to you know one of the worst in the league to let's say middle of the pack. But this team has done some good things the last two years. I believe they in the Western Conference, which is a very difficult conference. They've won a series uh, both times. I want to say they got eliminated by the... Am I wrong in saying that they got eliminated by the Black Holes both years? No, you're correct. Am I wrong in saying that? Okay. That's right. So, you know... So, again, this is a team kind of like Nashville, if you will. We know they're very good, but they have some questions in terms of, you know, can they take the next step and get to the Western Conference Finals? Let's start there. That's That's got to be the goal. That's got to be the goal. But, again, over in... Uh... Just like in Chicago, where you've got two players taking twenty million dollars of your cap um, to address your—they need another scorer. You've got two players, I believe they're at nine million dollars each. Uh, with with yeah, they will they will have some cap cap help. They they have some big players uh, who are both going to be UFAs and RFAs between at the end of this season and the end of next. But between um, their two goalies. Goalies two and three, which believe it or not, uh, in uh, Backstrom and Kempler, they have a count a little over, I think about five million against the cap this year. Um, you know, both of those guys, they're on the last year of their deals. So uh, having Dusan and Dupnik, I'm sure once this year's over, those guys will be gone. They'll free up the five million dollar caps with the cap money. But you know, they have signed people like Jared Spurgeon. Matthew Dumba, uh, Jason Zurich, you know, uh, Michael Grandlin, Nito Niederreiter, over the next year or two, are both 
in the classes of UFAs and RFAs. So, and they're kind of tight against the cap as it is. So, you know, they'll have a little freedom from, uh, from those goalie contracts when they hit the year ends. So, but to me, they need a scorer, which, which is like most teams. I mean, uh, you know, most teams struggle to score goals. So, I mean, uh, Yeah, put in perspective, the Islanders last year were fourth in the league in goals per game in the regular season, and they just finished under three goals per game. So that was two point nine nine. So there were only three teams that averaged at least three goals per game. So it just yeah. you know goes to show how much of a problem it is for teams to score goals. And I think um, you know, and this is another thing too with goal scoring. And uh, a little shout out to our boy here. If, you know, Jason Zucker can play an 80-game schedule in here, that might be where the extra goals pump in here. He played, I'm reading, 51 games last year, and he had 21 goals. So if he plays 80 games, he could be uh, he could be up in the mix there, you know what I mean? He could be a 30-goal scorer in this league for sure. Las Vegas is on. I don't think that's an overreach by any means, I don't think. No, and I think he's still young enough where he's going to get better. Yeah, Absolutely. So he could be he could be that guy who slips up into the second line and and provides you a, a nice scoring punch, no question yeah. about it. No question about it. Good call, Tony. Good call. Got to shout out our boy here. Hopefully, maybe he's in the expansion draft. He comes home to play. <laughs> that, would, that would definitely be lovely. I I I have me a Zucker jersey. No question about it. Uh, moving on, though, Indeed, moving man. on. That's uh, I don't know with with. Uh, Minnesota might take that next step, or, you know, consistency out of Dubnik, I think, is the key to that, that team's season this year. Huge. Signing, Huge. signing him to a six-year deal, if you're that general manager, you pretty oh. much uh, said, uh, yeah, you can fire me at the end of next season if this doesn't work out. You know, oh, I hate God, that. God, six-year deal for half a season, it's just it's unbelievable to me that they did that. Um, I want to be excited if I was a wild fan on that one. I, I just I, I don't I don't I don't love it. I can't do it either. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's a re- to wrap up Minnesota. The three keys are uh, you know you know Dubnik uh, being solid, pr- improvement on the power play, will at least get to the middle of the pack of the league, and you know much forward in terms of goal score you know goal scoring uh, you know between. Guys like you know, just guys like Tomlinville or Barnick or if it's you know Nita Ryder or and you know Zucker, just improvement there to help Parisi. So I think those are the three keys for the Wild. To, to, uh, Agreed. To bring Thomas Vanek back up, Tom Tom placed last year's playoff failures squarely on the ex Buffalo Saber. Uh, definitely called for him to step up in that series, and it did not happen. Um, definitely got to see more out of out of Thomas Vanek. And pretty good. I, I'm not going to say too much bad about Palmville. He did he did what Palmville does, I think. But uh, I go ahead, Tom. Yeah, no, I did read too in uh, the Vanek case uh, with the groin pull. Apparently, he had surgery in the summer, and they say he's going to be 100 percent back. Now, you know, we'll see if that's the case. You know, but apparently, he was playing uh, banged up. Okay. Okay. Is the reports I've been reading, which obviously yeah. we never hear about during the playoffs. But um, correct, a, a healthy Thomas Vanek has got to be able to put in twenty at least, and if we can get, yeah. get twenty more, twenty five out of uh, 
our boys Zucker and Pominville chips in 15 to 20. Maybe that's where the secondary scoring does come from. Um, next, the fifth team out of this division to go to the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, the Winnipeg Jets. First time back in the playoffs for the relocated Atlanta Thrashers. Um, sea of White, White out there in Winnipeg. I just, mm. just from a fan's point of view, it's great to see Winnipeg and the Sea of White back back in the playoffs loved it they did not have a very successful go of it i believe oh. i believe outed in four straight by the Ducks. <laughs> oh man but uh, i i actually thought they might get the ducks uh and no but quickly if i'm wrong weren't weren't they in the first three games of that series I me mean, granted they got slapped but weren't they in the first three games of that series either ahead or tied Going to the third period? <laughs> yes. yes, they were. Yes, they were. I forgot about that. Stan. Uh, I don't know why I'm laughing. No, because <laughs> yeah. I forget what happened in game four. I forget what happened in game four. If that held the same, but I know in the first three, you know, uh, you they know, added in their hands. Yeah, we're Well said, sir. They, they, yeah, blown lead. But but again, swept is swept. And, uh, you know, great run down the stretch. Definitely deserved to be in the playoffs. But all things considered, a feeble attempt against the Anaheim Ducks. And not to, not to irritate anybody up there. I, I love a lot of their players. Big buff to start, to start the ball rolling. Got to love Big Buff. Oh, man. Uh, love Big Buff. He'll play defense. He'll play forward. He'll go where, where you need to go. And he'll do whatever coach asks him to do. Um, the 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 big the big trade deadline moved uh, Evander came to your Buffalo Sabers giving up quite a few pieces no, uh, mo- most notably Tyler Myers uh, he came in played good um, just didn't have it in the playoffs does this team kind of stay the same or do they grow a little bit Chris what do you think uh, does the experience help all their young kids go forward. Yeah, I, mean, I am high on the Jets, except for, well, for, but they have one issue. But I'll, I'll, let me start off, I'm high on the Jets. Uh, I, You know, they brought back through staff, which I think was a solid move. Yeah. Uh, they, led, they let Michael Fullable, which was probably one of the most sound signings of the summer, given his age and given his talent, kudos to Calgary, uh, for picking him up. But they have a young kid in... Uh, Nikolai Ehlers was one of the best prospects in the sport who should make the team get regular uh, get regular minutes, contribute a lot of offense. And most, if you go to most hockey uh, expert websites, for lack of a better term, they'll have the Winnipeg Jets with the, one of the top prospect pools in the sport. And Ehlers is the first of that group that I think you'll see this year, um, you know, uh, Knocking on the door, another guy to watch out for is uh, Josh Morrison. Uh, Morrissey, excuse me, uh, defenseman, another for, uh, another former first round pick. The thing that they have, and they have a lot of cap room, so that's good. Because what I'm about to say, they have basically they're listed roughly estimated to have about 13 million in cap space. But believe it or not, in doing my research, uh, over the next two years, so at the end of this year and the end of the following season, the Winnipeg Jets have 18 players who will either be unrestricted free agents 
or restricted free agents. Huh. And so that you know that is uh, I mean the way the players' salaries are going, um, you know you're going to see an awful lot of raises. So in terms of this year, you know what do they do in terms of both Andrew Ladd and Dustin Buffalo, who are both unrestricted free agents? Um, you know uh, I I can see especially with a, a youngster like Josh Moore, uh, Josh Morrissey knocking on the door. Given Buffalo's age, his physicality, you know, the miles on, not that he's in bad health or anything, but um, is he going to be with them for the season? Like, what's their game plan with them? Are they, I guess they're going to have to see what kind of team they have, you know, between those two guys. Uh, are they going to move them during the year? If they move them, are they going to be for a trade where they get a player that can help them now? Are they going to be traded for picks or prospects? Like, what? What direction will that be um, going forward? Uh, and then they have a couple of big, uh, a couple of key components of their team are going to be restricted free agents in uh, Jacob Truba and Mark Schiefel after the year two. So, you know, and then I can go on in terms of the following year as well. So there's there's a lot of contract work that has to be done. It's good that they have a lot of cap space because they're going to need it. But my question is, you know, if you told me right now the Lad and Bufflin will be on the team uh, for the whole year this year. Uh, I like Winnipeg to make some noise in the West. But, again, are they going to be willing? Because while I think Winnipeg is a really good, talented team, do I think they're ready to challenge for the Cup? Uh, not yet. So how does that play out with Lad and Bufflin with one year to go? I mean, ideally, it would be great if they could get them signed, get well, at least one of them signed before opening night, and then just play it out that way. So we'll have to wait and see on that, but I think it's a very talented team, uh, not only on the current roster, but what's coming in the pipeline very, very soon. And it will start the season with, you know, Nikolai Ellis. Bob, what do you think about their shot? Yeah, I, I, I love what Chris said, man. I don't, I don't know how I, I can really top that at this point. But that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would think, you know, that, um, what Chris is saying there with, uh, if this comes up, you know, with Bufflin and Ladd, I think you, I think you gotta keep Ladd and let Bufflin walk, but, um, tough decision. In I don't know, 24 goals and Ladd, uh, you know, first line players. I know, I know Bufflin lost his track jackets in the showers and everything else, and he's a good guy, but, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to stick around. What do you think, Mark? I don't know. It's tough. It's like it's it's going to depend on the first half of the season, I think, for what Chris was saying to uh, what they do at the deadline and where they go towards it. If they get out off to a slow start and it, they could be sellers at, at if they're not if they're not within striking distance at the deadline. You know they are. Well, with all due respect to the the Winnipeg faithful, that they sell out their building there every night. But they are in a small market, and their 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 funds just aren't what some of the bigger markets are. They may have to go into sell mode. Just as Chris said, eighteen players going forward need contracts. If they're not uh, if they're not in the mix at the deadline, it could. It could be a fire sale, and maybe not a fire sale, but like you got to make those hard decisions at that point in time. And a Bufflin could be someone, you know, if you're at seventh, eighth in the league, he'd be a, definitely a player targeted 
he plays that physical brand of hockey on the edge or over it at at different times. Um, definitely, def- I, I don't think they. I don't think they finish up in the playoff spot. I think I think the next team behind them in last year's uh, made a made a few real big steps going forward, and I don't think Winnipeg did. And that brings us to the Dallas Stars. I think oh, talk about a team here! Yeah, I think that's a team on the rise. That, in in my opinion, I don't want to give my prediction away. I think they're moving forward. Um, you bring in. Anthony Niemi, who is, some people forget, a Stanley Cup winning goaltender to, maybe it's to be a starter, maybe it's to kick Kari Lennon in the butt and get him to play at his potential for 50, 60 games a year instead of 20, 30 games. The um, finished duo. Um, yep. Um, you got, I believe you have almost $10, 11000000 million tied up in your goaltending. Um, e- either way, I think you get good goaltending uh I like that move. And then you bring in a couple ex-Chicago Blackhawks fresh off a couple Stanley Cup champions. And Johnny O'Dion brings solidifies their second pair. And, and Patrick Sharp, he could – I don't know if he's going to be first line or second line. But uh, – I'm, Yeah, I'm looking at – I'm looking at it as, as he's a second line with Spetsa and Hemsky. I don't know if that's a fact or not. But that's I think the I Dallas think. News had it that way as, as well. And then you, you, I mean, you're adding those players to what I thought, you know, with a couple injuries, they could have been a playoff contender last season. Um, Sagan, I think, almost popped 40 in last year. Um, I know he scored 36, 37 at some point. Um, the Ben, the Ben, <laughs> uh, already a formidable group, and you bring those three players in. I think Dallas is a team on the rise, Tom. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love the. And uh, I misquoted the Dallas News. My my apologies. Yeah, they have Ben Sagan, Sharp, and Ryan Warren, and then they have um, Valerie Dushitkin, uh who's back. He had, he had um, I forget what injury it was. I read it and I forget, but he was out for the whole last season. He'll be back in projected play with Spets and Hemsky. I, uh, I I I love I love the the first two lines there for uh, for um, goal scoring and and Chris can probably back me up at this they were number one in the Western Conference with uh, goal four on the average there over over uh, three and I love that they were, uh, they were number one in the West and second overall yeah I love that absolutely it's hard. I mean it's hard to get Coach Sutter the Kings is famously quoted it's a 3-2 league that's uh, that's what it is, and and if you're if you're on the three, you're gonna win. If you're on the two, chances are you're not. And they they've got the offense, but the thing about Oduya and Sharp coming in, um, they know they know the discipline it takes to to play two ways, and that they know that that's what wins Stanley Cups. So that brings a little bit of a different dimension um, than just the the goal scoring and the moving the puck to a defenseman. They I really like those two signings for this team. Yeah, what, what do you, uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. What do you think, Chris? What do you got? Yeah, I mean, look, like you guys were just saying, uh, they were last year an extremely strong offensive team. And, uh, Tom, you mentioned, uh, the Chiskin only played in eight games, and he's a, you know, former top 10 pick who's super talented. 
and they added Patrick Sharp as well. And then also bringing in uh, the kind of leadership of Sharp and Aduya to that locker room. Uh, can only, you know, it's only going to help that team. And they had 92 points. You know, and, you know again, the last team to cover after this was Colorado, who finished last in the division with 90 points. And I get it the way the league is now. You know, your 90 points today is not your uncle's 90 points growing up with the, the whole three-point game form, format. But, my, you know, again, my biggest question with Dallas is keeping the fuck out of the net. Are they, you know, are, are definitely going to be a stabilizing force back there, but are they, you know, are they strong enough on defense? Are they good enough in goal? In goal? You know, I, again, I didn't, I didn't watch their games last year, so... You know, may, you know, maybe some of their forwards also have to pick up their game in terms of defensive responsibilities as well. Uh, when you finish, what were they, 26, tied to 26 in terms of uh, goals, get, goals given up per game, you know, there's a lot of work to do there. And they're in a brutal division. It's funny, it's, we, we uh, reviewed uh, the Atlantic Division last week, which I hope, Everyone has listened to, or if they haven't, go back and listen to. Dallas was the Atlantic. We, we, I, I, I don't want to speak to you guys, but Dallas was in the Atlantic. I would put them as a slam dunk uh, to be uh, to be a playoff team, be in the past top three. I think they'd finish second. But in this, in this, in, but in, the, in this division, uh, or in the Western Conference, I should say. I have some questions about that, about the goaltending, and it was just very strange because, you know, uh, I don't have to tell you, Tom, you know, Lindy Ruff is a very defensive-minded coach, one who is on his kind of P's and Q's. He was as a player and and, uh, defensive-minded player and uh, kind of on his P's and Q's with his team. Those kind of numbers are not a Lindy Ruff team in terms of team defense. That's what it comes down to me. A whole lot of skill, uh, proofs in the pudding, um, where they finished in terms of goals scored per game. Uh, Ironically enough, the average 3.13 goals per game and the average giving up 3.13 goals per game. So (laughs) that's what it all comes down to me. But but, uh, uh, I have a big question mark under team defense and goaltending for them. Agreed. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, as much as um, yeah, Miami and uh, Latman, it's um, that's definitely going to be on their backs to uh, bump this team in the playoffs. I believe because uh, goal scoring is definitely not a problem. No, that's for sure. What, what do you got, Mark? I, I I'm right on board with you. I think I think they do take the step forward though this year. I really like it. And I love it. Yeah. And another another team, I I think underperformed last year with the young talent that they showed in the playoffs the year before. Uh, Colorado Avalanche brings us brings us to the Rocky Mountains for our last team to look at here. Um, I don't know what the deal was last year. After they came in high-flying in Patrick Watt's first year as head coach, they, they in my opinion, laid an egg last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I, I think they had the same issues that Dallas had as in goals allowed. Um, I think maybe maybe they got away from what got them to the playoffs and started reading their own press. Well, they got up to that poor. They got up to that poor start, right? So that kind of put them uh, behind the eight ball. Yep. Terrible start. Yeah, yeah, it was awful, wasn't it? 
but they finished strong. They finished huge, didn't they? I forget. Well, I forget the they numbers. Finished, they, they finished. They did finish well. I mean, that's a, you know the thing is in, in the NHL, it is hard. I know Ottawa did it last year. They were. You, you guys are no better than me. But with about a third of the season to go, I want to say they were probably in the East, ranked around you know tenth or eleventh. Yeah. Want to make the playoffs, but in this day again, I brought it up before. This day and age, where I think in an article about this about a year ago, and I did some extensive research, but roughly speaking, third of the games are going over, are going overtime, which means they're three-point games. So if you get off to a rough start and you're trying to catch teams, uh, we saw that down the stretch. Oh, okay, we're in 12th place. You're going to catch these three teams. Oh, they lost. Oh, but they lost in overtime, so they picked up a point. We won. We picked up one point. So it's kind of very critical to... In this uh, in this horse race, if you will, you know, get out to a nice lead and not have to be in that position because it is hard to come back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, um, I'm just curious to see. I mean, I, I, I was surprised to see Jerome and Jim almost had 30 goals last year. I guess I, I guess I wasn't paying attention, but I I, uh, I love that. What's that? Got what's the veterans banging it in. What's that? He's their lead type the lead uh, leading scorer. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. But, you know, I, in, in researching for Colorado sometimes, uh, when you look at, not, not that it's all about the numbers, but when, when you think about it, they had 90 points, which, you know, wasn't good enough for the playoffs, but it's not a bad team. It's a good team, but just not good enough, in my opinion. But they were 23rd in offense, 21st in defense, and 29th in the power play. And then I said to myself, and then if you go into, I'm not there yet with all the different paper metrics with hockey yet, but if you want to go by Corsi and Fenwick ratings, they were also 29th in the league. And so then I said to myself, how the heck did they get 90 points? Yeah. You know, when you're in the bottom third and, and goals, sc- goals scored and goals allowed, and... Uh, you know, the power play. How you win eight? <laughs> <laughs> it's a mind bender, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, I like I like Carl Soderberg, but it's a step down from Ryan O'Reilly. You know, um, that's where I was. About they added to go. some defense. Yeah, they added some defense. Um, with the guy, uh, with uh, help me out here, Mark. Kiss from Anaheim. How do you yeah. pronounce his last name? Uh, well, from Buffalo, they got Nikita Zadorov. There's Zadorov. Right, and then they got... Mikhail Gregorinko and Chide Comfer. Um, and Francois... Oh, Bolteman. Yeah, Bolteman. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the big thing for them is... The big thing for them is Eric Johnson, former number one overall pick. Yeah. He's an unrestricted free agent here for this year, and if he can put together a healthy... 80-game campaign, he is going to be a very wealthy young man. So how does that play out? And I don't know if you guys saw, but last night they made a trade with Arizona and they picked up Brandon uh, Gormley uh, for uh, Stephon Elliott. Yeah, that was an interesting trade. Which was kind of a a weird trade. Two talented young defensemen. Um, It was (laughs) interesting that they... They both got teams uh, flip those guys for each other. So, 
Gormley was one of Arizona's highly touted prospects too. I'm not sure. Yeah, I haven't looked man. into that trade, but I was I was surprised to see that they actually did move him. Um, and I don't know anything about the especially for especially for another team. especially for another defenseman. Right. You could see how how thin they are. Uh, again, we're not doing the Pacific yet, but real quick, how thin they are at forward. That you say, okay, you know, we have guys in the pipeline coming on defense. Let's trade. There's a trade off on the table for Gormley. You know, for a good young forward. Okay, I can see that. But well, don't forget Arizona no, brought, brought in Chris Pronger. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, that still gets to me. Oh, You're just not going to let that go, are you? No, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I got to hang on to that one. Um, I, I look for Colorado to. to uh, I mean, I like Varlamov in that he's more. He's probably in the top half at least of goaltenders in the league in, in my opinion. I think I think he's he's definitely a serviceable starter there, but I think their defense core is a little weak and I don't like you said, everything they did was in the lower tier, under twenties. If you're if you're talking about the ra- the rankings and offense and defense is all under twenty and I don't look for that to improve too and you're much. only getting one the year older. Yeah, and you're only getting a year older. So, I, stat, I, maybe status quo for Colorado. I letting Ryan O'Reilly go. He was. Well, to, 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 to be fair, I. To be fair, I expect a big bounce back here from Nathan McKinnon. I so I mean, that so. if he stays healthy. So I guess that yeah. brings us brings us to the end. Uh, figure out where these teams are going to finish off here in this 2015-16 uh, campaign. Um. Chris, go ahead and lead us off. Where do you think this division wraps up at come April? Okay, well, um, last year they had five playoff teams. I am going to predict that will happen again. Uh, like I said, I have no doubts about the St. Louis Blues in terms of the regular season. So we're talking about the regular season. Um, uh, to me, clear, uh, clear cut, they're going to win the division. This was really hard the last two days and prepping for this podcast and trying to figure out, I know which four teams I'm going to pick to make the playoffs, but I have no clue of what order they're going to be, be it if they get the automatic second or third spot or the wild card spot, but I will try to, I'll give the prediction anyway, uh, I'm basically saying that anyone can fall in any one of those four, four starts, but it goes to my head, uh, I will take, I will, I'm going to predict that Nashville will finish second again. Pecorine, that defense, Forsberg getting a little bit better. Um, like I said, Robbie for Burberry, uh, they have balanced scoring second year into Peter Lapierre-Led. Third place, if you told me right now that Patrick Kane was only was going to even be able to play, let's say, two-thirds of the season, uh, I would pick the Blackhawks. You know, uh, trying to predict where the Blackhawks will finish, I definitely believe they're a playoff team, and as long as they get in the playoffs, you know, they're, they're a danger. So um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Minnesota as the third team. I think they have the, uh, of the three remaining teams, the least question marks, both given on and off the ice. And then I have the Blackhawks and Winnipeg as the wild card teams. And then Dallas and Colorado. Dallas will push. Uh, that last wild card team, which will probably be Winnipeg, uh, but I, I just 
don't think they're strong enough defensively. I mean, I love Johnny Oduya, but Johnny Oduya alone is not going to turn one of the worst teams in the league in terms of goals given up per game. So, and, uh, so that's how I see it. I, I know that status quo compared to last year, changing the order a bit. Sorry for the lack of drama, but, uh, <laughs> that's how I, that's how I see the, that's how I see the central. Tom, what do you, uh, you, I, I'm, yeah, on, I, I, I'm on a yeah, I, 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 Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, because, yeah I, I got to put Dallas in there, but I, I have to put Dallas in there, but I don't know who to take out. I think it's, I think it's Winnipeg, but I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think, Mark? I, I, I like seeing Lewis and Nashville to go to the top of the division again. I don't see them taking any steps backwards as far as the regular season goes. Sure. St. Louis is a very tough team to play against. They're very physical and very hard, and they have enough goal scoring with Tarasenko at all that I think Tarasenko just gets, I think he came into his own last year, and I think he even gets better this year. Um, and and Nashville, I look for Forsberg to step forward. I look for Rene to have another Vezina quality campaign. I look for uh, Seth Jones to get better, and Weber to stay right where he has been. And Nashville, to me, the it's going to go between St. Louis and Nashville for that division. Um, I, I look for Chicago to slip out of the three spot, and I look for Winnipeg to slip out of the four spot. So that yeah, uh, that puts with me. I, I I'm putting. I'm gonna go on the limb, and I'm I'm gonna give you the drama. Dallas, third place in the division. I, I love I think, that. I think the regular season bodes more towards a high-scoring game. Um, come playoff time, who knows? But as far as being able to put the puck in the net in the regular season, they have a leg up on anybody else in the West, and and maybe even in that whole division. Um, I'll uh, say I'll say this: I wouldn't want to play the Dallas Stars in Sega Hockey. Just to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> You're NHL '95, bro, Dallas Stars. No, I'm gonna put Dallas in that third spot. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I, 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 I love that, Mark. I, I, I love I, that, I, man. I, I, I want to see goal scoring rewarded because it's such a rare commodity in this league. Um, I, I, you mentioned Lindy Ruff, Chris, and I think he's a great coach for this group. Um, and I'm just going to I'm assume Patrick Kane goes forward on the roster until different, but with the losses of Oduya and Sharp and Brandon Sod, and probably still more changes to come as they had to have to get under the salary cap. Um, you may see another big piece go for prospects. Yeah, keep um, in mind, this is the last year of Brett Seabrook. We didn't bring this up. He's the last year of Brett Seabrook's deal. Yeah. He's an unrestricted free agent after this season, so they don't want to lose him in the worst way. And if he gets the open market, I mean, He's probably look out. He's probably a million-dollar defenseman, I would think. So, yeah, yeah. Would, I would think on the open market he would get a million a year. He wants to stay in Chicago, though, from everything I read. And, of course, again, going back to Chicago can offer him an extra year. So even if they pay him less per year, the money can wind up. But Chicago's up against the cap as it is. So though he is making close to, I want to say, $6 million, close somewhere in the five and a half, five point seven five, off the top of my head range, cap hit range. So it's not like he's making $3 million a year and they're having cap problems. They're going to go from three to, let's say, seven. But, they, you know, it's going to be tricky uh, resigning him. Yep, and with all the questions, like you said, 18 players that need contracts next year in Winnipeg, that's two 
uneasy of a situation for me going into the season with that many players um, wondering if their deal, uh, what they're going to get done. It hasn't been done yet. Am I going to get signed? It's just it's too uncertain when that, you know, two-thirds of your roster are playing for contracts and maybe not playing for each other. I'm not saying that's the case in, in Whiteout Winnipeg. Don't, you know, you always welcome to email the show, but it's it just too uncertain for me. So i got to move Winnipeg down a notch. Coach Q's yeah. at least keep the group that they have. Tom said it before. Um, Chicago does. They had the big turnover uh, five years ago. They won the cup and they lost. They lost uh, Bufflin and Ladd and a few other players went to Atlanta. Blah blah blah. And they still came back two years later and won the cup again. And they could be in that year where they, you know, they'll be the wild card team. They don't win the cup. They retool. Uh, like you said, lock Seabrook up and then come back the following year. I just don't – that's, you know, two big players to lose off your roster and and a 2A in Brandon Sod. So I look for them to take a step back. So I'm calling St. Louis and Nashville 1-2. I'm moving Dallas up into the playoffs. I'm moving Chicago to the wild card. Wild card, excuse me. <coughs> and I think Winnipeg and Colorado, they're going to be wondering what they're going to do at the deadline. And – you, you can see a lot of players moved off those teams if things don't work out. So that's where I'm at in this division. Um, guys, where, where, do you, where do you have Minnesota, Mark? I love the Dallas moves. Minnesota. I, I, yeah, that's the, that's the one. Uh, yeah, uh, you still got to play some somewhere. I think Minnesota comes in right behind Chicago. Um, I, I got to see more from Dudnik to know if he's going to be consistently. Look, if, if he can win at a 27-9 and nine pace – I'll put Minnesota in front of Chicago right now. With a 9-3-0 save percentage, right? If he comes in and plays a whole season like that, I'm going to put Minnesota in front of Dallas. They're winning the division. Uh, the division. Yeah, I don't know if that can happen consistently for a full season. That's, that's the only reservation I have with them. If he comes in and even comes close to that level of play, I think I think – Minnesota could could move in front of Chicago for that while. I think them, I think Minnesota and Chicago got a battle for that fourth spot, and I think Chicago's experience edges them out uh, with Patrick Kane in the lineup. Without Patrick Kane, I put Minnesota in that fourth seed uh, wild card spot. Um, yeah, I, I I just got to see more. Dudnik did it for a half a season. Remember, he's been released in his career. He's been a third-string goalie who would get called up. He's been second-string. He's had the chance before to take a number one overall, not number one overall, a number one spot as a goaltender in the league and couldn't or didn't do it. And, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that, the defense that's playing in front of you, the system that's being played, um, so on and so forth. And the uh, Ben Scrivens example, he was with Toronto, and letting in three and a half a game, and then he goes to L.A., and he, he helps win the, uh, ah, what's the trophy? Jennings, I believe, the Jennings. With oh, yeah. And, and he's yeah. in under two and a half per game and, and, you know, behind that defense and that system. And then he goes up to Edmonton, and he's right back to three and a half. So I got to see I gotta see where Dudnik is for a full season with that group in front of him, and I, I haven't seen that out of him yet or else. I might put them in front of Chicago right now, so I'm old off on that. They're going to be fighting for that number four spot. That's my that's my call on Minnesota. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with everything you said, and I, I, but I love the Dallas thing, so I was going to say the same thing. And, um, yeah, no, I just love Dallas moving up definitely a, a few notches up there, uh, for sure. I, I, I agree. You guys want to talk to some uh, World Cup real quick and close the show, or what it was? Well, I, I, have, I have a quick question. Does anyone make, want to make an amendment to the Atlantic Division prediction now that the Buffalo Sabres have signed Cody France? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't like the, um, uh, I, I didn't like it a week ago, and I don't like it now. Is I just that a real the whole... or are you making that up? No, uh, no, no, no it's like Neil, totally... Yeah. It's 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 if it's not done as we speak, I believe it's ninety nine point nine 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 percent done. Like two year deal, three point three million a year. Six point six million. And just because we have money now, it doesn't mean we have to spend every cent. I, I just I, I I don't like it. I'm probably in the minority of this, but uh, I, I just don't like it. Uh, I, I, he's going to help out. He's going to be a good player and everything else. I, I get it, but I just, we just don't have to spend. Every cent when we had the opportunity to. That's what got us in trouble a couple of years ago. We doing that, spending eighty million dollars on Airhoff and spending. It was just uh, Cody well, Hodge, twenty-five million. Here you go, guy. It, it was it was just well, one after another. It was, too, it was ridiculous. It's got to be uh, reined in a little bit. I think. Yeah, go ahead. I'll make you. Feel, I'll make you feel better, Tom. First of all, he gave Christian Einhoff a ten-year deal, which is beyond insanity. But be that as it may, this is a two-year deal. Okay, Cody Franson, help me out here, guys. What is he? Twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Yeah, I just looked at him. Twenty-eight, twenty-eight years old. Yeah. Okay, so you're getting you're getting his years in his late twenties, so you're not getting a guy who's worn out. Uh, I like Cody Franson, but let's say he's a great number two on the second pairing defense. That three point three million a year in this day and age of the where the NHL salaries are at. Pretty good deal. I mean, for for a two year deal, it'll give a little bit more coverage to the youngsters. Um, it should help them. I'm sure he'll get some power play time. Uh, I think it's a solid pickup. I don't think it's going to be the end of the day enough to get him in the playoffs, but it might, at the end of the day, get them more of a challenger. So I still see them as a team on the outer edges, but not not a big deal. Yeah, not not a bad deal. Yeah, no, I I agree. I'm not, I don't know. I just I just feel like we're spending money to spend money now, and not really the in the areas that we really don't need. And that's debatable. If we really need a defenseman, I just don't think we need a right-handed defenseman. You know, that's a, that's the reason that's a, that's the reason Nashville got rid of them because they have whatever five right-handed defensemen. That's what, that's why he was expendable at that point. But you know, regardless, per Jim General Manager Tim Murray. He said he's happy to get Cody Franson in. He will, he's slotted in to play on the first power play. We, we didn't bring him in to be a physical player. So that, that gives you a kind of a where their head is at and what they're going to use him for. Um, I think he fits that role pretty good, though. Yeah. At 3.3 per year, um, you know, that's, the, that's his cap hit. I'm looking at it right now on Twitter. 3.3 million yeah. a year. Um, second pair defenseman. That's uh, it's not a bad deal, man. It's not a bad deal for the player that he is. And he's and he's twenty eight, so you're getting near. You know, he's twenty eight and twenty nine, and you know, if he, and if he has a really good year, and you have other young guys coming, you know, you can you can trade him a year from now. 
Yeah. Well, he's yeah. a guy to move at a $3.3 million number at 29 years of age who's a, you know, proven player. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you, yeah. That, uh, you kind of want to, um, who's the other one? Oh, uh, Steve Bernier invited to the Islanders camp, I believe. Did you see that one, Chris? He was. Yeah. Yeah, I think he heard that Eric Bowen got a tryout, so he said, wait a minute. Eric <laughs> Bowen's going to try out. <laughs> what is, uh, I will give you a little thing. Uh, Islander uh, Nation, if you will, is a little upset that Brock Nelson is uh, still not signed yet. He's a restricted free agent without arbitration rights. He's not going anywhere. Uh, actually, both him uh, and Huberto along with um, uh, two big RFAs still not signed and has fans uneasy a bit. The Islanders, under uh, the owner, Mr. Wong, has this policy that if you're not signed and in camp by day one of camp, you're now playing for us this season. Wow. Past years. Uh, wow. But having said that, Mr. Wong just sold the team and... and uh, uh, even though he has majority control for one more season, uh, I, I don't think he's going to be allowed to do anything like that, and I don't think it will even come to that. So, um, But Steve Bernier, I think, is, you know, I, I thought it was strange from his standpoint. I mean, if I was him, I mean, right now the Islanders' 13th forward is Michael Wagner. And, you know, one, not that he's coming off the best of years, but um, he's their 13th forward. They have Michael Docole, one of the top prospects in hockey, who, if he was on another team, uh, could very easily be playing in the NHL this, this coming year. But the Islanders are so deep at forward, you know, he might go back to, uh, uh, you know, the Western Hockey League, uh, uh, the junior hockey. So, uh, but it's good insurance. I was kind of surprised with Jersey's lack of forwards that he wasn't back with them. So, yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> right. it's, I look at it as just an insurance by, you know, injuries. You know, what I think they looked at it as, you know, what if, what if, uh, uh, um, you know, what if injuries happen and, you know, Michael Bill Cole, it's a kind of borderline decision if he's ready. Uh, we don't want to rush him. I don't think they want to be in a position where they're rushing youngsters. So I think a lot has to come together for Bernier to make the team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, how about this news real quick? And uh, um, going into World Cup, if you guys don't mind, could I move uh, on with World Cup or no? You got something else breaking? I didn't because they just announced <laughs> the groupings and the uh, the seedings there in the World Cup. Yeah, I lo- I'm going to start out with my man. The devil's done it again. Miroslav Satan is the general manager of Team Europe for the 2016 <laughs> World Cup of Hockey. I love that, man. Miro. Uh, uh, Ex-Saber, uh, Ex-Founder. Yeah, correct, sir. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, this is, um, and I'm sure you guys in? know, but we'll let, uh, real quick, I just, um, it's, uh, it's a team Europe will be, um, outside of countries of Czech Republic, Finland, Russia, and Sweden, so it's everyone else. And that should be a, uh, definitely an interesting lineup and, uh, so definitely have his uh, handful, to say the least. And I think, uh, real quick, one more thing. Um, I love, I was talking to Mark, Mark and I were talking about this about a month or two ago. 
I love the Team North America aspect of it. The twenty three and under team. I love I love that idea of them going in around what you guys think on it. I love that. You yeah, we we talked about that. It gives you that old school feel. Bunch of young kids. The, yeah. Let's just break it down. Uh Team Canada, Team Czech Republic, Team Finland, Team Russia, Team Sweden, Team USA, Team Europe, which is all of the other teams from Europe that aren't the Czech Republic, Finland, Russia, or Sweden. Correct. Uh, and uh, Team North America, which is the under-23. Um, first first set of games, they'll be there in Toronto, Air Canada Center. All of them, I think, right? All of, all tournament games, that's right, will be played at the Air Canada Center. Tickets go on sale Wednesday, October 14th, uh, for next next season. The, uh, the, the teams have been split, Group A and Group B. Um, group A being Canada, the Czech Republic, Europe, and Team USA. The Group B is Finland, Team North America, Team Russia, Team Sweden. Just at first blush, Group A looks to be the monster there. Um, with Canada, USA, and all of Europe, with team, Group B maybe Finland, Finland and Russia maybe being favored, and then the under twenty three kids. What, yeah, they're, they're all they're all beast, right, Mark? They're all what? Every, yeah, it's going to be. I I can't wait. I can't wait. Team USA's first matchup, three thirty p.m. Saturday, September seventeenth, versus Team Europe. Uh. Team Canada versus Czech Republic, Saturday the 17th. And then uh, the next day, Group B starts play with Russia and Sweden, Finland and Team North America. That's your first, right. round, first round matchups and group breakdowns for the World Cup. Really looking forward to it. Glad they brought it back. <coughs> Chris, Chris, uh, you're back on the East Coast. What's the flavor over there for the World Cup? Yeah, there really hasn't been a lot of talk, to be honest with you. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of talk about it. Um, you know, I'm following a lot of the different other hockey podcasts or hockey sites. I know a lot of people are jazzed up about it. Uh, maybe it's just a little bit of the being cynical. I mean, I look at this kind of like the Olympics in terms of a marketing tool. Uh, having... I hope I just didn't lose every. I, I hope I'm not, I'm not about to lose every Twitter, Twitter, and reader follow. I think this, but uh, I'm I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm jazzed about the NHL. They're professionals. Um, I think it's great when players play for their country. But I kind of what made the 1980 and I have date myself U.S. Olympic team so special was the kids, and um, that's who I want to see. Like I don't mind if they're. Highly drafted kids like Michael Del Cole and kids like that playing in these tournaments. I think that'd be exciting. Um, but you know, maybe also too from a perspective of the Olympics last season when John Tavares got hurt in the Olympics and then was done for the year for the Islanders. Even I'm, though they were, I'm not surprised that that spoils your the taste in your mouth for you know, on the outside. Even though they were on the outside, outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, but you know, hey, you know, let's face it. I mean. You guys, you know, Tom, you're a diehard Sabres fan, and Mark, you're a diehard Kings fan. How are you going to feel about the World Cup if next September, you know, Kopitar uh, hurts his knee and is out for the year, and uh, and Tom, Jack Eichel hurts his knee and is out for the year with, for Buffalo? So, I, you know, again, I will... I'll feel a lot different. I will watch, uh, but there, has, there, there hasn't been a lot of coverage from over here, so... 
Uh, I will be I will be interested in, you know, again, I don't know how these games are going to be played. You know, I know the Olympic Games are a little less physical, if you will, but... Um, okay, yeah, but to answer your question... Oh, someone's going to get hurt. Yeah, injuries oh. are always a possibility. That's just... It's, I, it's, yeah. um... I, I don't I just, I just remember in previous years, I know, I know it's been, uh, you know, it hasn't been, uh, it's been 12 years, I think, was the last one. Um, you know, in years prior, I mean, when I was a kid, um, every four years they had this, it used to be called the Canada Cup. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. It's the World Cup of Hockey now. I think they changed that in 96 or whatever year it was. They changed the name of it. But we used to always have this, and, and you knew when you saw this on uh, CBC that uh, it was, uh, you know, hockey season was laying around the corner. And there was no, it was just an awesome way to start out the NHL season watching these all-stars play. And it really got, it got me jazzed up as a kid anyway, and I, I'm expecting it will one year from now, and I bet you one year from now we'll be talking about who made the team and who did it and uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I love the I love the international game. And uh, if you're looking for the romance of the, uh, the 1980 team, Chris, jump on board the uh, North America under 23, and we'll be looking at the romance of that that, the romance of that team is one that will be almost impossible to duplicate in any scenario, in any sport. Uh, real quick on a comment ever. by that. Uh, I, ever, yeah. I, I remember watching, a, you know, there's been countless documentaries done on the Olympic team. And a bunch of years ago, on sports radio over here, when uh, the premiere was going to air, air and they had an NHL expert on, talking about that team, to put in perspective, you know, how much of an underdog team that was, or, or what they did, or what they accomplished. They said it would be like the best high school football team in the country beating a professional football team. <laughs> that's, that's how he, he equated that upset. And then you put the period in time, the Olympics, they were amateurs, and what's, what's amazing is, if you go back and look at that team, I mean, yes, there were some pros, uh, good pros on that team, but there wasn't, you know, the 84 team, for instance, had Pat LaFontaine. There were no Pat LaFontaine-level players on the 80 team. You know, there was Craig Ramsey of the Sabres, Rammer. Ken Morrow of the Islanders. There were some good players on that on that team, obviously. So had some good, nice NHL careers. But uh, it, it's just, an, you know, an incredible. And then the time and place of the country was at, was, uh, you know, as tough as these days are, you know, 1980 was no day at the beach. And, um, Absolutely. So it, it was a perfect storm it, it, of, of circumstances that brought that together with the political environment, the, like you said, the underdog role, the amateurs, the kids, the, you know, it's, I'm putting together the best team, not the best players attitude. Um, and, yeah, we're not going to see that again ever in any sport. I don't mind saying that. But I'm still... And, and, I, and in purpose of the Olympics, that Russian team went against... Didn't they go... Uh, they went against, I want to say, NHL All-Star teams, right? And they right, crushed them. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Olympics, for sure. They crushed so, 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 Yeah, Celeste so, uh, 
he still gets criticized for because uh, they played a couple games the Summit Series. Well, I guess it was way before that, 1980. But yeah, the Summit Series. What, what year was that? 72, 74? 72, I believe. No, no, leading into the 80 Olympics, that oh, yeah. Russian team played. I want to say I know they played NHL teams, but I want to say they played. They also like played an NHL Olympic team. team. They they played the Olympic team in a game and beat them, I believe, ten to one. Yeah. The yeah, they played him up the garden in a tune-up. And they yeah. beat yeah, They played him up the garden here in New York. And I think they beat him, like you said, 10 to 1. I mean, so which kind of probably set the, set, you know, uh, the stage. They probably felt like, oh, this is going to be a cake, cakewalk. He's a bunch of college kids. And yeah. let's face it, in 1980, the, the amount of level of talent in the States in terms of young hockey players was pretty thin. I mean, how many excellent yeah. hockey players were in the, were in the NHL from uh, from the United States in 1980? It's, it was a handful. That's yeah, yeah. You basically had Minnesota and Boston and a couple kids from New York. Uh, was your talent Maybe. Pool. That was your talent pool. Yeah. But no, Yeah, I just think it... Anything that you the, put a USA sweater on, I'm a fan of. I'll watch the freaking curling with Team USA involved, dude. Uh... If, if uh, they're going to do this World Cup, I'm excited for it. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, too. I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, living great by the border and having family in Canada. It's the most American thing I'm sad about because, uh, you know, I always just, like, love hockey in general. And I always felt like if I didn't root for Team USA, I was a traitor. Even though, you know, I would love watching Team Canada play in these Canada Cup. And, you know, I had to secretly be in the closet and, you know, if I wasn't ultimately rooting for Team USA, I was, you know, a traitor or whatever. So I really, I'm really on board all in right now with the North American team. Absolutely. Uh, that, that definitely captures my heart and soul right there. That's awesome. It's funny, Mark, uh, maybe we can close with this. Uh, when you said uh, anytime you see that, you know, you Team USA sweater, when you said that, uh, for whatever reason, my brain went to uh, the movie Miracle, which is a really good movie with Kurt Russell. Playing yeah, hard course, he tells the team, "Remember, the front of the jerseys means it means a little heck of a lot more than the back of the jersey." <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, you know. And then they had that one, and then that last thing that that one game where they played a tie, like in an exhibition in Europe somewhere, and he had them do all those skating for hours and kept asking each one, who do you play for? And they kept saying their college or whatnot until uh, Rizzioni finally said, uh, play for the United States of America. Yeah. yeah. I saw an interview with him about that, and, and uh, he, that really did happen. And the, the interviewer was like, well, what, what, what made you, you know, were you that patriotic, whatever? He's like, man, I was just trying to get off the ice before I threw up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, turn the lights off and everything. Yeah, he said that was the that was the best thing I could come up with. That I could get off the ice before I threw up. <laughs> uh, that's a great. I always thought that was a great quote. But uh, no, abs- absolutely, that that really did happen. So I'm I'm gonna be with Tom. I want to see this this team North America. But uh, yeah, get that red, white, and blue out there. Let's play some hockey. So and uh, all the games, all the games will be televised on ESPN. So that's cool as well. ESPN back into hockey, is that right? And then leave for this, yeah, yeah. Then I, then I want to say, uh, right now, let's start the ball going to get Gary Thorne and Bill Clement hmm. back together in the booth and, <laughs> and bring back that broadcast duo because that's, uh, 
I miss that group calling games. So let's get. Hey, you can still, you can still catch them when they do the replays, right, Mark? On the, you know, when they run like Absolutely. the 04 or, uh, or before 2000, yeah, he did a lot of those. Like, oh yeah, I remember these calls. Yeah. You get uh, well, you get Gary Thorne on the college broadcast once in a while too. Um, yeah, you do. Yeah, I think I heard him do a Notre Dame game, I believe. Um, yeah, but no, let's get him out there to do the World Cup, and I'll be a happy guy. <laughs> so, all right, Captain Kitties, ladies and germs, we're gonna we're gonna get this off to production, gentlemen. Another uh, another great show. I think we covered the Central Division pretty good. And yeah, like the future, next 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 week will be the Metropolitan. Do I have that right? Yep, yep. We're gonna go back to the East, and uh, we'll take a look. At the Metropolitan. Oh man! Then we'll round up. We'll round up. Uh, round up our divisional previews with uh, the Pacific Division there in a couple weeks. So uh, we're going to get this out, get it produced, get it online. Hopefully, a little quicker than last week. We had some technical difficulties, but that show is up. If you missed the Atlantic Division, uh, Chris Leitza, you can find him at thehockeywriters.com and also at Get Real Hockey, covering. Uh, National Hockey League and the and the New York Islanders. Um, Tom, you can find him right here anytime, day or night. <laughs> yeah, uh, typically at a bar uh, somewhere around there. <laughs> hole near you. But don't bother me Sunday at 10 a.m. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. And uh, I, you can find me, my writing it for our blog there at VegasHockeyPodcast.com or look us up on Twitter at VegasHockeyPod. Chris, good to talk to you again. Uh, you guys have a great week, and we're gone.